0: Hi, I'm Philemon Wolfram In this episode of Urbanistica Podcast, we talked about the problem that people do not find their surroundings that they live in the environment attractive and what urban practitioners should do about this. Tune in.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica Podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms and also Let's Connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner AFRI. AFRI is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it.
2: I have the pleasure to welcome our storyteller Belmont to Urbanistica podcast. Hey, and welcome.
0: Hello. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing really great. Thank you. It's it's so nice to be here in Pontevedra now. Finally, I've been looking forward to being here for a long time. Uh, I had some up and downs on my way here. I was actually uh, I came to Porto last week. Uh, I was supposed to take some time off and go surfing by myself there but then my luggage got lost oh, no. on the flight oh no so i had to wear the same clothes that i was traveling in, <laughs> and then i had to rent a wetsuit because all of my surfing stuff was there as well uh, i think the w- wetsuit has been peed in quite a few times it was an old rental wetsuit so okay. after that i had to put on the same clothes that i've been flying in and, and them for a few days <laughs> but now i'm really happy to be here i got my baggage Nice. Some fresh clothes. I I feel like a human
2: being. Like yeah, welcome, again. <laughs> welcome back again. <laughs> Thank you. You're our storyteller. How would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us what are you passionate about?
0: Yeah. So I work as an urban designer at Sveko in Helsinki in Finland, and I think my mission as an urban designer is very very common. I <laughs> like the the usual story. I want to be able to create more people friendly like dense inner city lively lively city
2: spaces Mm. and and like tell us more about your your background like where you study where you're from originally as well
0: yeah so i'm originally from helsinki in finland uh, but i studied in stockholm at the sustainable urban planning and design program i graduated two years ago and then i moved back back to helsinki and i've been based there now
2: yeah and what kind of project you work with now As
0: I've only been working for two years, I'm still kind of testing my wings, trying out different things, Uh, because I wrote my uh, master's thesis about placemaking. So that's been kind of a natural gateway into, into that world. So I think most of my projects has to do with facilitating placemaking processes, helping municipalities with that. But I'm still also doing like more traditional, uh, detailed planning and general planning. Uh, and i'm also doing some assessments of cultural and architectural environments to be used as a guideline on which environments or which buildings should be protected in the general plans
2: yeah yeah it's very interesting and and you you wrote me on linkedin right yeah i wrote you on yeah, linkedin yeah and uh, we talked about okay let's meet and talk and then you had an interesting uh, you have an interesting topic to to talk about in this podcast and i i find it also interesting like to talk about it and maybe raise awareness so would you tell me about the background, why you choose this specific topic? Like why you became interesting in talking about this topic?
0: Yeah, I just happened to have some interesting discussions with a friend the other week about this. Uh, it's not something that I explicitly work with, but uh, yeah, I can give you some background about it. So as, as my kind of passion is would be, or my ideal would be to create a more dense inner city kind of environment, instead of like sprawling out suburbia, So I think there's basically two big reasons why this isn't happening right now. One of them is cars and I don't really want to go into cars. That's a whole other, (laughs) other story. But the other one is the kind of nimbyism that it's a big movement. It has to do with people not finding modern architecture attractive. I think it's a very contested topic as well, because it's like this what do the general public want, and what do architects want? And there's maybe not always they're not meeting in the middle. Mm. Uh, I think the, the discussion about this is is very often like kind of toxic. <laughs> I follow this these, <laughs> these Facebook groups. I know you have them in in Sweden as well. I follow the Finnish one mostly, like uh, architectural rebellion, no more ugly gray boxes or <laughs> whatever yeah, yeah. they're called. So the, just like even if I find the the discussion cultural around there kind of toxic it often goes like into hating people even they can kind of name name names as well but it's still it's still a real issue that people don't find their surroundings their environment the environment that they live in that they don't find it attractive and i think that's a big reason why if if we're trying to do like densification projects or or building new new dense urban areas there's a lot of people who don't don't want that. Yeah. So I'm thinking like what if what if we would just kind of give up on some of these these Puritan architectural ideals to build like this form follows functions, minimalist modern architecture? And what would it would it be easier maybe to to get these densification projects to go through if if we would build more more inst- leaning into that nostalgic traditional architecture mm. style
2: when you when you say people think that it's like the modern architecture is not um, attractive from which point of view it's like the i would say the design or the, the function or what's exactly
0: again it's this is just like a western european northern european perspective but i know that there's a there's a lot of lot of hate toward modern architecture <laughs> i think i think that the There's not a single thing that people would want to. Some people want to have architecture that looks like it was built in the early 1900s, like Jugend style, but some people think that you in the Nordic countries, for example, that you should only build the traditional wooden single family houses with that's have been painted red and, and the white fence around it. So I I don't think there's like a, a, it's not a singular movement. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So from your opinion, so what kind of architecture and urban design should we aim
0: for? Uh, I'm not a proponent that says that architecture has stopped evolving. I think it's very good that it is evolving. And me personally, I would really like modern architecture to be able to still flourish and, and be built like it is built today. But the issue that I want to go into is that people do not find it attractive. And that is a real issue, regardless of what I feel personally.
2: Yeah. But how how so so like in, in order to solve this problem, like to change people's opinion, what should we do as urban practitioners, like as an as architects, because then we make something is totally pointless or act, not attractive for people, and our aim is also a kind of building cities for people, no?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a very good question. Uh, I actually want to give an example of what i what I mean. Yeah, I, I went uh, last summer. I was interrailing and I. I was between, between Lund and Malmö, I think. There was a place called Yacriborje. I, I just found it to be a crazy place. You, have you heard of it? No, tell me. So, so I think it was like in the 1990s when I think it's a private developer who got the idea that we should, should be building traditional architecture. And in the middle of nowhere, on just a <laughs> the field, they started building. I think they're still kind of building it, or at least it looks like it but they just on a field in the middle of nowhere built a town that looks like a medieval town. They even have like a town, town wall around it. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's very fascinating because the buildings actually look like they're 200, 300 years old, but they're built like 20 years ago. <laughs> but it's also wild because it's in the middle of a field. So you would expect there to be like a river or the ocean or, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So uh, I have no idea. I haven't, like, looked at the reception, how the people who live there, if they, if they like it. I don't know if there's been research done around it, but I f- think that it's a very, very curious idea because this has not been done, to my no- knowledge, in, yeah. in many places. So that's, that's one interesting example mm. of, yeah. of this.
2: And, and, like, back to the question about, like, how should we think because as architects or designers and urban practitioners, because we are doing or building cities that people are not really attracted to yeah so what are we missing, or what should we think about? I
0: think decoration that's that's one thing that people are missing today that's mm. a lot of a lot
2: of flat surfaces Like both in the facades and
0: uh... yeah, the facades like for for one example if if we're looking at these dense urban environments there's like people usually get stuck up on the hyper densification and complain that this place has been built too densely for them if if it's a new new built area for example in in helsinki there's been two main inner city developments because we get a new industrial harbor so there's two two places in the where where they could move away the old industrial harbor from the city center and they build this very dense but modern uh areas and there, I've seen so much criticism about these areas. that, oh, it's, it's hyper dense. It's too dense. People, this is going to cause social issues and, and whatnot. But these same people, nobody's complaining that the old inner city that's built in the 1800s, the 1900s, that's, that it's too dense, but that's even more dense. And nobody's complaining that Paris, it's too dense, that Barcelona, it's too dense, that Rome is too dense because they still find it attractive. It's like exciting to walk around in these medieval city centers. Yeah. And, and that's the, that, that's the core of the, the topic that I want to yeah
2: discuss. do you think that we are like too too much control every like single millimeter in the city like too much of we wanted everything to look perfect and everything should be like uh, decided and so on compared to like uh, how the old cities grow
0: yeah that's that's one way to look at it but there's also you you can have like a agreed pattern that's very logical but at the same time you can have some sort of irregularities and that's usually to do with like decorations of facades or like you have to have some kind of chaos yeah. within, within that structure Yeah, like some
2: actions yeah and, exactly yeah because like i think in the end we are not robots that we are follow like a specific pattern yes even if like this grid makes sense but still like you need also to have some kind of actions or some st- things happening
0: yes yeah exactly
2: and how how, like when you now when you work with different projects is there like a specific elements that you have in mind all the time you think about
0: to be honest the projects that i'm working working with are mainly in smaller cities that have very different kind of problems to tackle with but even there i always try to make it as dense as as concentrated as possible just because like the I, i think it's Technically superior. It's so much more space efficient to to build uh, different kind of different kind of uh, urban functions yeah. in close proximity to each other.
2: Mm-hmm. What what are like the challenges that you're facing as a as an urban designer in, in Finland?
0: I think it very much has to do with um, there being a gap between the professionals wanting to build dense urban environments and the general public being against that. It's, it's not, it's, it's kind of polarized between. There's like mm. proponents for, for both sides. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's sad, no? Like it is it's, sad, there yes, is a big
2: gap between these two, like between the practitioners and people, civil people.
0: Yes, and as I obviously want to build cities for people, I, I want to take their opinions into, in, into account. But then there's also so much like, technical stuff that goes behind the, the dens- yeah, like, densification, why, why it's good. Exactly, yeah.
2: yeah. May, that maybe people not really understand or see. But do you think that we as urban practitioners are into our books and we are not really in touch with the public? That's why there is a gap between us.
0: There's, um, there's definitely a gap, yeah. And also because it's already so polarized, we're like in these two different camps. So the discussion is it's very, very difficult to have a reasonable grown up discussion around, around yeah, it.
2: Yeah. So it's not like, um, it's not only urban practitioners' mistake.
0: Not only, but yeah, we, we, we should be better mm. for sure.
2: I think maybe there like, should be some kind of uh, a common ground, or let's say, a table to sit and to talk about like why is this good why why you hate it why you don't like it like just to talk to, to have a conversation
0: exactly yes it's it's just uh, the danger is al- always that the conversation kind of goes off topic <laughs> it's, <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's not only facts talking
2: <laughs> but then it's like uh, it's it's hard it is very hard yeah it, it's really like because what is the communication channel I mean like from urban let's talk about finland now
0: yeah yeah the problem is that there are also so many communication channels that aren't moderated at all people talk in in different kind of social media groups that's like where a lot of people get their main information if there's a new development projects coming into the city then there might be like some very good information the urban practitioners might have like given all of the reasons why we are doing it this way on say that the that might be on the city's websites or the city's official social media channels but then there might be these grassroots driven social media groups that spin the discussion in their own way and then that's where m- maybe more people read that specific social media
2: group yeah, and it's then
0: they form their opinion <laughs> from, based on
2: it's so bad so is is the city doing something to for this i mean because it's kind of uh bubbles right people within this bubble and and having same same opinion and they are against uh, like almost every development projects happening or densification project is the city doing something to make this better to change the public opinion
0: yeah i mean obviously the city cannot go into moderating no no <laughs> of course social media platforms that they're <laughs> not owning but maybe the city is kind of seen as too rigid to formal too gray that's why people don't hang out in the city's official (laughs) channels so i think they should be more more fun more open (laughs) like forget about being uh, an official government yeah
2: yeah like more i have to say be a human like uh leave your formality and just be like a human and to the street level
0: exactly yes Mm
2: -hmm. so like if you if you will have like a magical tool to solve this or to bring the two opinions together what you think is the key for that
0: i think that cities should like if they're telling if they're talking about new urban development projects that it's every single urban development project is a compromise so instead of just explaining why this is good to do the project they should maybe also give the other side of the story and then explain that yeah we know that this will cause this and these issues but it's still necessary to do this because it's, it's better for the entire yeah program. and that that could maybe make them seem more open about what they're doing and also
2: realistic no realistic, like, it, yes. like uh, telling um, both the, the plus and minus of this project and why not only talking oh this is good this is good because we all know there is also the backside of every single development project yes so yeah if you have a magic tool that will be like you you talk about the project exactly how as how it is yeah that's my recommendation
0: to to every city
2: (laughs) are you part like of uh, also these discussions like your your comments or no
0: no i don't really take part in them but i i i follow them way too much for my for my own mental health and (laughs) well-being Because, cause sometimes the, as I mentioned earlier, the discussion can get really toxic. The discussion yeah. culture around it are ve- very often not
2: moderated at all. Okay, but is like, is is between uh, urban practitioners are public on the same group or no? They are d- two different, separated group.
0: Most of the time, they're in like these mixed groups that some some of them are professionals and then they argue against <laughs> people who are not professionals and. <laughs>
1: like a big fight
0: yeah and i can get upset reading strangers argue over the internet like i'm, I'm not even taking part into the argument but yeah I just yeah get
2: upset for but do they use like effects and say yeah we we, we gonna develop so much are we gonna provide so many um, houses or like units is, is the discussion more and like based on the statistics and science based? or not like just feeling i hate this this is
0: bad this the discussion, discussion ranges from from every kind of topic and every kind of facts to another, but I think that the one big big topic that cannot be really argued with facts in the same way is the taste of the architectural style. Like, what, <laughs> what kind of environments are are pleasant to your eye? What kind of environments? Are, are yeah, nice because
2: like them. people think different, right? People think or experience, for sure, yeah. Yeah. So, but I think in the same time, it's it's also good to have this kind of um, discussions i mean to make the um, to make the city strong not stronger but i mean like having this kind of discussions is also important to see what is uh, what we are lacking what we need to do what we need to improve right yeah
0: yeah if you, if sure. you understand me yeah
2: so so like uh, this kind of discussion also also like healthy somehow if it's maybe moderated in the right way
0: yeah yeah, I'm I'm pro moderation in <laughs> in these discussion platforms.
2: Yeah, how uh, how do you think is how do you think the good way of moderating this? Like, what is the best way to moderate this kind of discussion between the public and urban practitioners?
0: I think that you should have specific rules what you're uh, what you're allowed to use as basis a basis for your argumentation if it's something that's clearly lacking in in evidence behind what you're saying then that those those <laughs> opinions should be should be regulated
2: okay so it should be based on something from like evidence as you say
0: yeah and also if it's something that would be classified as hate hate speak
2: for <laughs> example that's. like uh, ban some words
0: yeah. Yeah. I think like in the, for example, in the Swedish architectural rebellion group, it's very often like personified in, in Gert Wiener God, And I think that's really horrible that they're going into like the, hating this one, one person in a group. I think that's like very uh, bad taste.
2: <laughs> so you think they are like people in this group are into a bubble and should really go out and like...
0: To a certain degree, yes. But then I also sympathize with, with the root issue that they don't find their environment attractive which i think is a real issue regardless of how people talk about it or what mm. what kind of discourse cultural there, there is around this topic
2: yeah but then in the end like let's say uh, to to close this kind of, this discussion about this topic who's responsible to fix this
0: that that is a very good question i think it's in the best interest of the cities the municipalities themselves So that's why I would kind of put the responsibility on them. It might not be their fault from the very beginning, but I I think that they're the ones holding the keys.
2: Yeah, it's like it's time to bring public and practitioners together and okay, how do we fix our city?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah,
2: Interesting. And like, tell me more about uh, projects you work with in in, in, um, relation to placemaking.
0: We have one project that's finishing up right now in (laughs) Kangasala. It's in the central parts of Finland, it's, it's close to Tampere, which is the second, second city of, of Finland. So our mission was to kind of live up their city center. They have very big development projects coming up in the coming years. So it's going to be a lot of construction work and it also goes back into this, like signaling the change to the public that something nice is happening. Yes, we know it's, it's not going to be nice when we are building it. There's going to be a lot of noise. It's not going to look nice when it's like, the, <laughs> we're going to tear, tear up your whole yeah. market square. So our job was to come up with some nice place-making initiatives to, to live in up the public space in the short-term mm-hmm. signal to inhabitants and that this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And it's, it's going to be nice. Trust yeah, us.
2: Yeah. And how is the process? If you explain to our listeners, like how do you do that in Finland? Or specifically in this project
0: specifically in this project we just tried to gather as much input from the citizens as possible so it's not something that's being done at a consultant's desk in helsinki so we are we made like a gamification of the of the project we we made a, a little game of these place making initiatives and then we went into the market square and asked passerbys to play the game they had a certain amount of imaginary money to use on these placemaking initiatives that which which one of them would they pick and where would they be placing them and then we use that input to to give out the recommendations yeah. is and in- is is this the game or what is the game that was the game
2: this yeah. is the game like with the money and yeah. like uh, yeah. choosing
0: like we we gave them 10 golden coins and then they had <laughs> a, then they had these cards that were like placemaking initiatives that cost specific amounts of of golden coins and then they or like, if, if I would be the mayor today, so I, would, I, will I, invest. Would use, I will invest the yeah. city's money into this. And who
2: is, who is the group that participated in this game?
0: Uh, there was like a market event that day that we, when, when we went there. So there was just anybody who came into the market <laughs> that day. I think there was a lot, of, a lot of families, a lot of parents with their children, a lot of elderly. Those were the main, main groups that we reached.
2: Yeah. And on this card, like, what do you have? What do you, do you write?
0: Well, we we used the the typical ones like urban swings and urban farming. Uh, then, like closing off city streets from cars at specific hours, and then we had lists like uh, trampolines inserted into the ground, skate parks, <laughs> stuff like this.
2: Yeah, yeah. And what did people choose?
0: Uh, kind of surprisingly, a pleasant pleasant surprise was that even if we kind of missed on the bit, like people aged between maybe 12 and and 30, which I would say is like the core group of skateboarders. Mm. But there was a lot of, even like senior citizens who came, came and were like, oh yeah, we definitely need more young people here. Like they, they bring so much life, even if they can be noisy sometimes, it's, it's good to have them. <laughs> so, so so the skate park was like the main main thing that was identified
2: to be missing from from there. That's nice. And, and then what happened after like you collected, I would uh, say, a people's opinion? Uh, hand it like uh, what did you do after that
0: yeah then we also obviously have to look into the realism of the land use planning in in the city like where could you place this where could you place these placemaking initiatives and then we give out the recommendations of different spots that could be used for this based on land ownership based on location wise like uh, noise levels light levels. Uh, the ground what what the the surface of the ground is yeah and in the end we gave gave a list of this that we would recommend the city to do uh, all of these initiatives in these places and this is an estimation of how much it would cost and i think actually tonight my colleague is going to go into the municipality meeting to present this list to the politicians and they're going to have a discussion with the politicians like where where is the City going to place their money in.
2: That's interesting. What is like the biggest challenge um, in this project?
0: Uh, one of the big challenges was to reach out to the group of age, ages between like twelve and thirty. Uh, it's it's one the one group of people that's kind of missing from the city center right now. So it was very difficult to try and and reach out to these groups and and to get them to come back into the city center. We kind of need their, yeah. their inputs so what, what would make them come back here
2: mm-hmm. and what is the key like see uh, key of success in this project
0: i think it was the participation mm. process like ma- making the participation process fun enough that it cannot <laughs> it cannot be just like a
2: like a boring one yeah
0: like follow this link to fill in a, questionnaire on the internet yeah yeah
2: so like so you spend a lot of time on thinking about how to make it fun right yeah the participation exactly. how, how do you think because many of the listeners they're also working on the same kind of project like participation and community engagement so how can we be extra innovative and funny in introducing this kind of um, participation what do you call it participation activity or process yeah participation what did you do like good. when you wanted to in innovate
0: uh i think the, the big innovation that we have was putting up two bowls of candy in front of our, our desk and, <laughs> and once we we got the people to come in there to grab some candy then we just like pulled their hand and we're like okay you have to play the game now and
2: uh-huh, it's like so, okay <laughs> so you use like candy as a <laughs> i mean like how did you come up with the um, the game when you and your colleagues were thinking about a participation process, how did you come up with that? Okay, we should do a game. Do you have a advice for us to think differently?
0: I think the design pro- process of the implementation of the game was just like, we, we knew that we needed to get some input from the citizens. And then we started thinking like, what kind of input, what would be the ideal goal that we would get from the citizens? And then we realized that, okay, we want the citizens to actually pick which initiatives would suit their needs the best what would make them spend more time in the in the city center and then we just kind of went with that how do we get people to give exact yeah. initiatives and then we also wanted to have like a kind of a heat map of places where they would like to spend more time if if there would be some activities for them
2: <laughs> interesting and now we're here like during the placemaking uh, week in yeah. pontevedra uh, what are you going to do, and what are you looking forward to see attend?
0: Uh, I'm going to attend as many like participatory workshops as possible, <laughs> partially because I think that they're like usually fun and interesting, and the topics are very very interesting, and I could learn a lot just from the substance of the workshops, but also because I want to get more like see what my international colleagues how they facilitate the workshop processes yeah yeah so not not just the substance of what they're talking about but also the facilitation of the workshops themselves i think that's something yeah. that i'm gonna take away from here
2: mm. and and like uh, because we are here as uh, placemakers from different countries you're from uh, finland and it's nice to have you here so what are your messages to pontevedra what should they think about when they develop the city
0: well one thing <laughs> for sure because i arrived by by bus from Porto. And when I got here, I think they should like, it's a very nice city. The city center is, is super nice. But when, when you come here by bus, that's kind of like the, the port to the city, the first impression that the city gives to you, uh, and the service design regarding that has really not been, been thought through. There was no, no like guides, uh, like signs signaling you to go to the city center. The, there was also some accessibility issues cause I had a big, big baggage with me and i had to carry it up some stairs i mean to, th- there was some renovation projects going on, on as well but even if it's just like temporarily inaccessible it would be nice to at least have a sign to tell you which way to go to the city and yeah make it sure yeah make sure that it's easy to arrive because mm. that's going to be the first impression that pontevedra gives to everybody
2: exactly more like um, elements that they should think about when they develop the city
0: uh one one good thing is always like have more signs <laughs> Gu- guide guide people yeah. to where where you want to show them
2: mm-hmm. and now we are in the end of this episode three questions left and the first one is about you giving a message to yourself
0: me giving a message to myself i think uh one of my colleagues gave me a very good kind of a pep talk once that i'm i'm in the very early phases of my career that i shouldn't take too much stress about like being the perfect ready-made placemaker right now and i'm it's it's a growing process i just en- enjoy the ride and yeah you'll get there
2: eventually yeah don't rush anything like uh, it's a journey you make
0: yes even if i like I, I don't feel like i've specialized in anything yet because i'm still kind of shooting in all directions trying my wings and different kind of projects, but it's just, it's 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 a fun process as well. I think
2: it's fine. Like I'm also the, almost the same, like now I'm working like for four years. And also like for the first three years, I'm just trying every single project, like every single possible activity just to see, okay, what I'm passionate about. So that's how you, I think that's how you find out what are you really passionate about and what, how you can make the biggest impact by trying different projects. Otherwise, like if you're stuck with one type of project, you don't know what's happening there. Maybe you you like the other type of project more than what you do. It's always good to tr- that you try, try, try. It's like like it's like a food. Uh, you know, these are like your your top three favorite uh, food. Let's say for me, it's like kebab, falafel, and yeah, pizza. But I know that because I tried different food and same with the, i think same with the project or work we do is like you should try different kind of projects until you find like this is my top 3 kind of projects so don't rush stuff and it's always good to try different projects yes exactly yeah and the last question is going to be you asking it to us so what is your question to me and to our listeners
0: It's kind of an a question slash an advice for <laughs> urban practitioners that when you're working on your projects uh, i think a good a good guideline to keep in mind is try and think from the perspective of the citizen of an end user like if you would be uh, living close in close proximity to or or using the urban development in, in your daily life how would you like it to be to be made and try to try to look at it from that perspective
2: yeah very interesting so thank you so much again for giving your time to the podcast
0: thank you for having me
1: Well, thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica Podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. You learned something new and also got inspired by the guest. Don't forget to share the episode on your social media and recommend it to people you think they are really interested in this topic. Thank you so much again for giving your valuable time to Urbanistica Podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif. Keep up the good work. Keep loving cities.